From yesterday's innovations to tomorrow's technologies, this is MarketScale's EdTech Today with your host, Kevin Hogan. Okay, well, welcome to the latest edition of EdTech Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. I'm glad uh, you found us. And with me today, Katie, uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks for, for joining me uh, on what I, I know will be a, a great conversation. Thanks. Great way to end the week. Uh, I, I know um, we're all tired of talking about it. I, I certainly am, um, but it's still an important part of what we're doing day to day and especially with the work you're doing. But I need to start off by asking you the where were you when moment. Uh, for most of the, the school district officials, I hear Friday the 13th, March 13th, 2020, when they had to decide whether to give their kids their laptops to go home or to keep them or what was gonna happen. Many of those children still not back in the classroom since that moment, which is still kind of mind blowing. Um, what were your thoughts that weekend, I guess, or, or at that time? When, um, you know, so where were you when? Yeah, I, I think I'm a virtual company, right? We've been virtual before it was cool to be virtual. So um, we weren't in schools, and but we were in the, the big upswing, kind of the hockey, bottom of the hockey stick of, of scaling our business. And had a lot of things in the works um, with school districts um, that came to a screeching halt <laughs> because conferences and presentations right. that we were getting ready. I think I was getting ready to travel to a conference and present. And we kept thinking, well, yeah, it's still going to happen. It's still going to happen. I think it was in California. Yeah. And it just, everything got canceled. And um, so I, I remember trying to get my money back from flight. <laughs> Which some I did and some I didn't. But um, um, they were pretty good. And, you know, the funny thing is I remember thinking, well, great, we'll reboot, like, we'll just focus on, on next fall yeah. and thinking surely by fall things will be back to, to of normal. Of course. Yeah. So we did kind of what everyone did. We thought we were so unique because here we have this awesome social emotional learning platform. And we said, well, let's lean in. What we have is so important right now. Let's just get out free stuff to, to school districts and, and help. Let's be part of the solution. Um, and that uh, turns out that's everyone had the same idea, <laughs> which could, I mean, kudos to the industry, right? I mean, it really was like a, a moment when you think about almost like my, my next greatest trauma would be nine 11, right? Where everybody kind of jumped in and like, we're all yeah. in this together. The industry really did respond in the way that helped as much as much as possible. But for the, your work in particular, um, you know, social emotional learning from my reporting on it and following it in the in the education space it was a concept right it was a concept you would go to events you would go to cocktail parties and people would talk about it but it was kind of fuzzy it was ethereal right um nine weeks after all this has started the idea of social emotional learning has become very very real to everyone everyone right Talk, we talk a little bit about that evolution that you've seen from that space. You're talking about my heart's work being just an idea, a frivolous idea prior. <laughs> not, not, not frivolous, but it was just like, it was one of those education phrases, yeah. like professional development, like, oh, yeah. Isn't that, isn't yeah. Nice? Well, you know what? I think what you're hitting the nail on is that we've known for a long time you know, this is, this is my, my passion and my work. And we've known for a long time that this is the most important thing. Um, you know, I'm a licensed school counselor and a therapist, and I was often 
you know, when I was working in high schools, I'm like, ACT prep, like we know it has no predictor of lifelong except the amount of money and resources and student time that went into it. We'd get our students into college, but our national clearinghouse data is 50% of them would hightail it in the next year. And not always because people jump, oh, finances, part of it, but it was, they didn't know how to do hard. So this has been kind of, you know, we can't make the difficult circumstances, 2020 is how this life is hard. We can't make difficulties go away, but navigating hard is really, McKinsey reports, the difference between post-secondary success for everyone. I mean, recruiters are looking for resilience and persistence and motivation. And when you are in a place where you have anxiety or depression or trauma that's been unresolved and unprocessed, um, ADHD, you know, it's hard to focus. It's hard to learn. It's hard to be motivated and resilient, you know. Um, so I'd say that what COVID did is unearth the underbelly of what was there. It was, it was kind of like a nice to have. Districts yes. were saying, I'm going to check the box and act like I'm doing it, knowing that a lot of times what they were buying maybe didn't actually work. Oh, you vaped three times? Let me put you in in-school suspension and do this little module on, on vaping and we're good, knowing that it didn't change behavior. Yeah. And, or, or get to like, well, why is the student vaping? You know, wh why is the student bullying? Why is the student not coming to school? Why is the student failing these classes? And I think when everyone into crisis, it was like, oh man, if we don't attend to this, this critical need, which was critical before, but exasperated by COVID, yeah. we're going to be in a heap of trouble because brains cannot learn when they are in flight, flight or forget it. And uh, right. people were walking around for, for months, <laughs> I think, in a state of, yeah. of shock. Yeah. I still am to this day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but let me ask you, before was you, were your services set up for a remote environment uh, originally, or is this something that you had to pivot to during uh, COVID? That's a great question. Yeah, we're we've been virtual before it was normalized. So, you know, COVID did a lot of things, which is kind of work out a lot of the equity in digital and a lot of our students are, you know, you know, in difficult circumstances. And so access was always an issue. And, you know, it kind of, fast forwarded a lot of those issues that were barriers to virtual learning and it normalized it. And um, we've, we're always virtual. Our, our lessons are virtual and our online coaching is virtual. So, and we combine those into one kind of synchronous pathway for our students um, to, to deliver the intervention that we provide. So I'm assuming you were able to, well, I'm assuming you needed to scale, but that you were able to scale without, with, with, with relative ease or talk a little bit about how, like, where were your customers in, in February versus May and how you adjusted to what I assume was a, an onslaught of phone calls. You know, what's interesting is because there was such a need for what we have, we were really poised because we are a virtual solution, because we combine lessons with we, we are the coaches. We provide motiva daily motivational coaching that goes with each lesson. So it's not just skill building or curriculum. It's, it's le online lessons with virtual support. Okay. And that combination really over a period of time, we kind of say like we're Noom for, for student mental health. <laughs> it's daily with support over a period of time to fuel student transformation. Okay. So um, be, we were really poised to kind of swoop in and be a, be a stopgap to provide that support when schools were just in chaos. So actually, although COVID was a really difficult thing that I wish never happened, um, it really, we were able to, to lean into districts and, and work with a whole lot of students and 
actually our outcomes were were the same as they were. I mean, it didn't affect our work. Um, there was such a need. In fact, if anything, we, we found that students were opening up and engaging more because their problems were so real and palpable. And we're in Minneapolis too. And so you throw onto that over the summer, all the things that happened around racial injustice. And, you know, um, we talked to our students, if your body is a thermometer for stress and your toes are zero and your head is 10, we community stressors between COVID and loss of milestones and and no graduation and sports being canceled and going to college but really from your 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 door your your childhood bedroom and then and then racial you know tensions in Minneapolis it was just like everyone was walking around at eight and a half and it just didn't take much for people to feel like they could not deal yeah. so we just found that students really needed a safe place to to not just learn how to cope, but to process some of the stuff that was going on. And so it's to say it's been good for business isn't doesn't sound good, but right. it definitely created more demand for what we have. Right. Well, going a little deeper into the weeds on, on, on the model. So are you hiring therapists that you're matching with schools? Kind of give us, give us the, the lowdown on how it works. Yeah. So definitely our sweet spot is tier two. So when you think about multi-tier systems of support, um, there's a lot of tier one and we do have tier one and mainly our tier one is educator, ed educator support and resilience, which is so important right now. So educator support and self-care is, is really important. So that's kind of our tier one solution. Our tier two, especially at the high school level is for those students who have those attendance flags, grade flags, um, behavior flags, discipline referrals or SPED referrals. And a student assistant team, you know, isn't it more important, especially when the trigger is anxiety, depression, ADHD, trauma, to um, nobody can make those go away, but you can certainly give them the tools to cope with it and navigate it. And isn't that more helpful than anything else you can do? So that's our sweet spot is to get them into this course. It's rolling so they can enroll student the schools by seats in the course they can access it at any time during the school year it's self-paced it is credit bearing because we align with national health and wellness standards and ask and castle standards as well but it's robust because it needs to be we're trying to transform get we're trying to get to the heart of the matter and really give them over a period of time the the skills and support they need to move from discouragement and avoidance and loss of motivation to focus and confidence and um and we, we have the tools to do that yeah now as uh, a veteran of remote uh, services were there still any surprises or any innovations that came up during the spring where you're like wow wow we we should have been doing it this way all, all along i'd say or, the professional development was surprising so a okay. couple of surprising things one is you know, we, we partner with school districts. So we say, you know, typically the people who refer students to our program are the school counselors or the school social workers or the school psych. And, you know, we kind of do the part of the job that they wish they could do, checking in and supporting that student over the 12 or 16 week course. Um, but they just don't, plain up don't have time for it. But we partner and we loop them in on these weekly reports with insights, not just on progress, but what the student's learning. And one of the ahas was these school counselors who were now remote were like, wow, these reports are helping me connect with my student on a deeper level. When I would have checked in, I would have been like, well, what missing assignments do you have? How's school going? What do you need from me? And it gave them fodder to kind of go deeper and connect with the student in a more meaningful way. So that was a surprise. We didn't expect that at all. The other thing was we have our professional development um, 
which really has a self-care lens. So it goes through resilience training to provide educators with, you know, cell and mental health um, strategies to use with all students in the building as tier one. But there's a self-care lens to it, which we ask at the end of every lesson, like how would you students learn by modeling? So how are you doing, especially now? And um, and how would you use this with yourself first? And then how would you use this concept with students? And so that was just kind of like an add-on, kind of like a nice to have that we had before, but it became kind of a primary product. And what's surprising is educators were struggling so much that we had districts, we never had coaching with it. So we have, we have a tier one with like an, a, a weekly coaching and our tier two, which is our sweet spot, is daily coaching, five minutes of daily coaching. If you take a 50 minute therapy session every other week and you break it down into digestible, consumable support in five minutes a day, we had student, we had schools asking us, well, can my, can my educators get the daily support? Mm -hmm. And we were like, oh, never thought of that as a product, but, um, right. but it's actually, that just shows the level of stress that, that, and, and the inability and administrators too. I have a group of 12 administrators, leadership, superintendents, Tino, support principals in a district taking it as a group as a plc and supporting each other in the work because they're lonely they're exhausted <laughs> they're not supported and and it's a way for them to support each other so those were surprises like these those became products that we didn't intend to be products yeah well and I, i'll i'll piggyback on that how about how about parents did they become part of the equation as well we do loop in parents um um, on some emails and certainly on the student data pre to post at the end because we do kind of measure their growth and, and share that. Yeah. Um, but we do have a parent version coming out in the fall. I used to teach a class called I'm anxious about my child's anxiety. And it was kind of a trick because, you know, I'd meet with a really anxious or depressed student and then you meet their parent. And a lot of times you were like, oh, that's why, you know, <laughs> So it was a trick because I think as parents, I, I'm a mom of seven grown kids, so I get it. Um, and that we certainly had our fair share of, of mental health challenges. And so, you know, it's as a parent, like I think we're wired, especially as moms, to think our job is to fix. And I learned the hard way that, you know, I, I used the whack the mole um, game, you know, that game. Yeah. And I used to think like every I had seven kids, I felt like they were constantly popping their heads up. And it was my job to kind of whack <laughs> them all and fix it. And, yeah. and, and, and through my training, thank God, as a, as a therapist and counselor, I learned, oh no, you know, they just need me to show up and validate and, and, and encourage them to, to empower, be empowered to, yeah. to solve their problems and to learn to cope. But I think, um, that's really what our parent course is. It's about modeling self-care. It's about use these concepts on your yourself and share how they're helping you. That is so much more powerful than telling your kid or, or fixing it for them. So um, our parent version will be a lot like that. So they'll learn the concepts that they can support their student, but it's going to be kind of put the oxygen mask on yourself and model good self-care because we know our kids don't listen to us anyway. We might as well show them. <laughs> right. Right. Now, talk a little bit about. Um... I, I keep trying to reach for these glass half fulls as a result of, of all this, but one of them, which I think is just even the discussion of mental health and in a public institution and in a setting like that, where maybe before it might've been a little bit more uh, arm's length, right? And now it seems just to be front and center. I mean, all the spring was, was forget about assessment, forget about your curricula. You know, it's like, are you okay? Or, or are you safe? You know, or are you together? Uh, talk, talk a little bit about that. That is so true. And thank God, right? It's about yeah. time. I was just on a call with a district, you know, districts like to say, well, being, 
um, instead of mental health. And it's still a little bit like that. I think it's changing, but it's changing. And I was on a call where a superintendent who didn't ever want to mention mental health was on the call talking about it. I was like, well, this is this is progress. It's it's not scary. It should be as normal as seeing a doctor, a physician, or a dentist is getting help for your for your um, emotions and thoughts. Isn't that just as important? So um, definitely, definitely. I think it's normalized it and it's about time. How about the dynamic of this technology? Again, as a veteran of it and using it, I'm assuming in a synchronous way that your counselors were talking with students but do you use Zoom? Can you use any platform or do you have your own? We're asynchronous, platform? actually. So oh, you're asynchronous. Okay. We're asynchronous. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. So that, yeah, that's... so we are asynchronous and we tried, we tried it first. We will Zoom when students get to a certain level of support, we will do Zoom calls, but they're so hard to schedule that we were constantly rescheduled. <laughs> it was just, it was yeah. impossible to talk about not scalable. It wasn't scalable. Yeah. But we'd use uploads of audios, videos, and text. And like I say, we break down the support into five minutes a day. So it's really digestible. But these students, that's how they communicate. My kids will often say, well, I just talked to so-and-so. And I'm like, well, I didn't hear you on the phone. And they'll be like, I was texting. They think that's talking. So um, yeah. we're meeting students in the platform that they're on in the way that they communicate anyway. And it seems to be working um, really well. That's really interesting. So yeah, so you don't necessarily need to have the Brady Bunch squares uh, to use to use your service. I mean, maybe that's even a little less intimidating for a lot of you students, right? So yes, you nailed it. It's exactly right. You know, part of the psychology is in order for for a young person to be vulnerable, to share. Like we help them identify their goals. That we do an assessment in per, you know we're in personal wellness, academic, social, and emotional wellness at the beginning and the student picks two goals that they want to work on and it's motivational coaching each day where the coach just comes in and says that's a great goal let's make it achievable let's break it down what's the next step but they get to pick right that's the empowering part and we just walk alongside and help with accountability and support to make sure they feel seen and valued and respected but kind of nudging nudging in a, in a, in a very nice way to help keep them moving or get them moving in some cases and i think that the the real power of it is that for those students that they're getting that feedback in in these daily doses and they they can actually consume it versus a 15-minute session i did that i'm a therapist like that's fine and good but they're actually then reading it and then responding back and we're we find that that one-to-one psychological safety of not actually seeing the person or feeling judged or feeling that we have any expectations of them at all they open up really, really quickly. I'd say much more quickly than they ever do in a, in a private practice where they have to maybe articulate it in words. Adolescents, sometimes it's hard to put your, to put it in words, but some like keying it in, they just open up and we get to the gold pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me uh, ask you to, we, we talked about BP before the pandemic and, and, and during the pandemic, let's talk a little bit about after the pandemic and where you see not only your business, but the business of social emotional learning, uh, hopefully progressing, you know, give me a kind of a horizon for, well, let's start with this fall. Uh, and let's assume best case scenario. Most, most folks are able to go back in. Maybe there's a certain number who are out, but things are, are relatively, relatively normal. Um, there's lots of de- debates on what that normal is. Uh, are we going to go back to where social emotional learning is still a, a, an add-on, or do you really think that this this group traumatic experience that that we've all gone through will will continue to stick? And then I'll 
I'll, I'll further that to say three years and five years and where that sees empower you in, in that context. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think fall is going to be key. You know, there's so much on learning loss and we're just finishing a white paper right now on learning loss through a social emotional lens and in the idea of we can't just have kids come back and try to make up what they've lost unless they're in the right mindset. And so for us, we're really responding to that need right now with not just edu educator um, training over the summer, but some summer intensives for back to school starting in August where there's two week and four week um, intensives of our program to get students kind of geared up and motivated to re-engage, um, assuming that we're back in school, right? Um, but even if we're not, so we're really responding to the idea that this needs to be part of, and everyone, I mean, this is universal. I'm not, I'm not saying anything that everyone else hasn't said, but we just have adapted our product to really be flexible enough to really fit into what the school needs to get students' mindsets ready to learn. And I, and it'll be interesting, you know, who, who would have thought we'd be here? I don't want to predict where things are going to go, but I can't imagine that this is going away. I think this is a change that's, you know, people ask me all the time, do you think this is a blip or do you think this is a change forever? And I, mm. I think it's a change forever. And I think it's a good change. Like I said, 15 years ago when I was sitting in school, I was like, well, why aren't we focusing on this? This seems most important. And I think maybe we're now kind of all singing out of the same hymn book and um, we can really do some good work together. Yeah, I mean, and even just in, in general, I mean, this has been the first year where people begin business meetings and business calls with, how are you doing? Like, how are you, how are you feeling, right? Or are you okay? Which is, it's just, uh, uh, you know, it's weird, but kind of nice, right? <laughs> Hopefully that will be the, the new standard. Yeah, okay. there's been a lot of silver linings, right? Yeah. And I think, yeah. Um, and it's funny, every school I talk to um, is doing a virtual academy because each school has found out that there's a certain subset of students that probably are never coming back, just like maybe some people will never go back to an office. Right. So I think it's changed education forever. I mean, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, right? But they're responding to saying, you know, is this going to be a blip? Our students, when they come back, um, you know, you think about some of our kids who have a lot of social anxiety. And COVID's been a great place for them to hide. Is that a good thing that they're never going to go back? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, right. I right. used to have clients when I was seeing individual clients who literally had no friends except people they met in gaming in Australia. You know, right. it, like that was their best friend. And, you know, our goal in therapy was to help them create meaningful connections with people in their day-to-day -day life. But so it's, 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 it's interesting because I, I don't think we have a lens to that yet. I think yeah. there's a lot that will unfold. Here we go. Well, hopefully it will be as positive as this conversation has gone. I really appreciate your, your insights. Uh, I like to, I find these podcasts almost be my own therapy. I'm like, please tell me something good. Tell me something that's going to be a, a positive. And I certainly uh, got it out of this. So uh, congratulations on your work. Thank you for your work and uh, good luck going forward. And um, we'll, we'll be following and hopefully we'll see Empire You continue to scale. So thanks again for your time, Katie. Thank you. Great to meet you and nice let's stay to touch. Meet you. And okay. thanks everybody for listening and watching. I'm Kevin Hogan.